0: We are continuing our series called God's Master Plan. We are in week six. Isn't that amazing? Week six, that means we're making progress towards spring. (laughs) We're not that far away. It's already warming up, so it's a good thing. Uh, Week six, God's Master Plan. We've been going through and trying to get a broad overview of what in the world is going on, what is the basic uh, things that's going on. And the first question we've asked is, uh, what is God trying to do? Of course, we need to be able to answer that question if we're going to have any understanding of what's going on, right? What is God trying to do? And the answer to that question is, God is trying to establish His kingdom. God is trying to establish His kingdom. And uh, uh, why doesn't He just establish it then? You know, because He wanted there to be light. What did He do? He just said, let there be light. And there was. There was not a process of establishing light. It didn't take millennia. It was just boom, done. Well, the problem with establishing God's kingdom is that He wants it to be full of intelligent, creative, free-willed beings made in His image, and they tend to not cooperate with Him. They tend to not live in His kingdom. They reject His kingdom, and so it all becomes a big mess, and His kingdom is not established. But He is trying to establish that with intelligent, creative, free-willed beings, which is us. But in order for His kingdom to come, like Jesus prayed, we have to cooperate with Him. And so we looked at the historical uh, things that have happened that that God showed wouldn't work. Like, why not just make heaven? Haven't you thought that? Why do we have to live this out in the first place? Why don't we just go to heaven first and skip this mess? Well, God did that. Created uh, all the angels in heaven. And uh, Satan and a third of the angels rebelled and there was war in heaven. Not good. That was bad. Okay, how about just super simple Little bitty kingdom, not much going on, two people, one rule. That's Adam and Eve. Didn't work. Even that small. Okay, have you ever thought, God, why don't you just get rid of all the bad people? Why don't you just wipe them out? Well, that's Noah. Killed all the bad people. Did that solve the problem? No. Okay, well, how about instead of killing all the bad people, we just separate out the good people? You know, we got the The B squad, and we got the A squad. You know what I mean? Like, we'll have the A squad. And that's Abraham. You know, man of faith, people of faith. We won't kill everybody else. They just won't be on the A team. So we'll separate the Jews and the Gentiles. We'll have the followers of God, the people of God. How'd that go? You know, not so great. Uh, They got enslaved in Egypt. They weren't walking by faith with God. They were missing God, so... Um, why not just then, instead of making them figure it out on their own, walk by faith, just tell them what to do. Haven't you done that with your kids? Instead of, you know, you want them to figure out how to live their lives, but sometimes you just tell them what to do. Well, that's Moses. Just give them the law. What do you do if you got mold in your house? Well, there's chapters in, about what do you do if you find mold in your house in the Old Testament. Just tell them what to do. Okay, well, that didn't work. And then we talked about the plan of redemption. That is the plan that works. That the sinner is redeemed by the blood of Christ and goes from excluded to included. Goes from separated from God to being a child of God. Bought and paid for by the blood of Christ, redeemed. So, God establishes His kingdom by redeeming sinners and bringing them into His family. That's the system that works. Hallelujah! For the pr- plan of redemption. <clears throat> what is your part in God's plan of redemption? Your part is to follow Christ. When Jesus looked at individuals, he said, Follow me. Our job individually is to follow Christ. And we talked about three ways follow Christ into a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Jesus had a very strong relationship with His Heavenly Father. We follow Him into that relationship. Jesus lived a sinless life. We follow Jesus into a life of righteousness, a life of doing the right thing. And then we follow Jesus into a life of purpose. Jesus lived a significant, purposeful, meaningful life. And we follow Him into that. We are to follow Him. If we don't follow Him, we are not following Him. That was my logical statement. I studied philosophy, studied logic, symbolic logic and everything. And I can tell you that this is a sound statement. Either you are following Christ, or else you are not following Christ. Right? Either you're following Christ, or else you're not following Christ. If you follow Christ, you get the good news. If you don't follow Christ, what news do you get? The bad news. And so we did a nice fire and brimstone sermon. That was encouraging to one and all. And uh, nothing but fun. Hey, pick the good news. God has a plan of redemption. Jesus paid a heavy price for you. There is no reason for you to have the bad news. Take the good news. All right. But the bad news is there if you refuse the good news. We did our fire and brimstone. Then last week we talked about our job. Your job, my job, is to follow Christ. Our job is the Great Commission. And that is most effectively stated in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And this is what Jesus says. Then Jesus came to them, to the group, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, our job as a group is to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, and teach them to obey Christ. And He will be with us as we endeavor to do that. We are to be agents of advancing the kingdom of God. As a group, we advance the kingdom. We do the Great Commission. If we won't do the Great Commission, then we get Matthew 21, 43. Jesus was yelling at the religious people. Don't you sometimes wish Jesus would come back and yell at the religious people? Yeah, me, he was doing that back then. And we need to be the ones that, that he doesn't have to yell at, right? We need to be those ones. We don't want to be the religious people that he has to come and yell at. We want to be the ones that are about his business, not all these other things. But here we go. Matthew 21, 43, Jesus says to the Pharisees, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Again, given to a people. Not to a person, given to a group that will be about advancing the kingdom of God, given to a group who will do the Great Commission, because that's a group job. I can't do the Great Commission. You can't individually do the Great Commission. We have to do the Great Commission. And so it's a group job, and we need to do that. Alright, so, are we going to need help with that? (laughs) Are we going to need help with following Christ? Are we going to need help with the Great Commission? Yes. Fortunately, part of God's master plan is to send us a helper. So hallelujah for that. Let's pray. We'll get into some new material. And uh, we're going to have all kinds of fun this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Help us to grab hold of what you've got for us today, Lord, individually and as a group. Lord, bless us, encourage us, help us to take a step forward in serving you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God knew we would need help. Sending us help is part of his master plan. Be careful what I say. All right. Let's look at John 14. We've got some verses here where Jesus is talking to His disciples and He's preparing them for His departure. He's preparing them for a very difficult situation. They didn't fully understand that Jesus would go to the cross and die and that sort of stuff. They thought He was going to take over the nation, be the president. They'd kick out the Romans and all the disciples would get to be in the cabinet. That's what they were expecting to have happen. Didn't turn out that way. And so Jesus is trying to prepare them ahead of time for it, uh, even though they weren't really understanding what was going on. But let's look at some of this in John 14. Jesus says, "...if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever." the Spirit of Truth. Another Counselor, sometimes translated comforter, often translated helper. He will give you another Counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Be with you for how long? Just during the apostolic age of the New Testament? No, forever. Be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is our helper forever. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. So if, if you have no connection with God, is the Holy Spirit going to make sense to you? No. That's, it's just not a normal thing. You know, this is, a, this is a spiritual thing. It's not a worldly thing. Understanding the Holy Spirit, understanding our Helper, understanding that part of God. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So this is a specific moment in time before Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit was there with them. But the promise was the Holy Spirit will be in you. And so that is a tremendous, tremendous promise. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Sorry, I' got to silence my phone. <clears throat> then we'll jump forward in chapter 14 to verse 23. Jesus replied, "If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. You've seen a theme here? <laughs> what is Jesus' primary love language? It's obedience which is the highest manifestation of faith. To obey Jesus is to show faith in what he says. Faith and obedience are Jesus' primary love language. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Does that sound good? Do you want to have a connection with God? Man, obey his teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love love me will not obey my teaching. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Have you ever had a scripture just pop up? That's this. Being reminded of something that Jesus has said and will teach you all things. Wouldn't it be great to have help with that? Being taught all things. Very helpful. Very helpful. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He reminds us, He teaches us, He helps us to follow Christ. Let's look at some prophecies uh, that talk about the Holy Spirit because it's very important to get an understanding of is this a side fringe idea or is this central to the gospel? We need to know, is this a side thing or is this a central thing? Amen. Because that's one thing I think Christians can do wrong is they find one verse and they just go flying off in that direction and they miss the huge parts of the of the scriptures and just kind of ignore those things and go off in this weird tangent. Right? We don't want to do that. But we don't want to miss something that's significant either. So we're going to read several uh small short passages of scripture to see if this is being taken out of context or if this is actually a really big deal. So, let's look at Matthew 3.11. We're going to hear quite a bit from John the Baptist. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Let me uh, just say something as we go through this. Have you noticed how people in Christian circles have been changing terms recently? You know, like uh, the, the, the term Christian has kind of not been super uh, awesome. In Let me say that again. That's just terrible. Um, the term Christian has fallen out of use in certain circles because it's associated with grumpy old people who don't like you, right? And so, I don't want to call myself a grumpy old person who doesn't like you, right? And so, in certain circles, it might be difficult to communicate if you use certain words, which are perfectly fine, but they have a particular association attached to them. And so, I know people who call themselves Christ followers instead of Christians. Well, is isn't that special, but... (laughs) There's a reason for it. And you've noticed how a lot of churches are pulling the denomination out of the name of the church. Because the denomination may have some negative connotations for certain people that that church doesn't stand for. You know? Uh, and so they don't want that to create an unnecessary barrier. And so like Good Hope Church, we're an Assembly of God church, but we're Good Hope Church. Right? We're not Good Hope Assembly of God. We're an Assembly of God church called Good Hope Church. Because some people have had very negative experiences with the Assembly of God, and we don't want to have that color, their understanding of who we are, because we're not that. So we don't want to create an unnecessary uh, connection with something that we aren't. And I think, like, like, again, we've gone from Holy Ghost to Holy Spirit, right? You don't hear Holy Ghost a whole lot because ghost, that's kind of a Holy Ghost. What does that mean? You know, is that like, you know, Marley in the, in the Christmas Carol? or what, You know what I mean? What's a Holy Ghost, you know? Um, holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit now, for some people, they don't know what that means. They've got some negative connotations and they're not going to be able to understand and connect with what that means because of certain experiences they've had. If we were to say the heart of God in place of the Holy Spirit, I think it would accurately portray what's being talked about here with John the Baptist. He says, I baptize you with water, but one will come who will baptize you in the heart of God, who will surround you, envelop you in God's heart. That may be a more accurate understanding if you have some misinterpretations of what the Holy Spirit means. Now, I'm going to still use the phrase Holy Spirit. Okay, We're not not going to get rid of that one. But if you've got some negative connotations of that, think of the heart of God. This is the heart of God. Baptized, immersed in, overflowed by God's heart. Mark chapter 1, John the Baptist again. I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So again, Matthew and Mark. How about Luke? Is this in Luke? Luke 3.16. John answered them all. John the Baptist again. I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. How about John? So we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke. How about John? John 1.32-34. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. John's hearing from God. And this is what he was told. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. So Jesus is eating with them. He's risen from the dead. He's yet to ascend to the Father. He's hanging out with the disciples and having a meal. Really interesting period in time. Jesus says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water... But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Setting up the rest of the books. Saying, Jesus is the one who overflows you with the heart of God. Who immerses you. Just brings you into the heart of God. The last one, Romans 7.6, that I'm going to talk about. We could read 300 scriptures on this, but Romans 7.6, But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, the old covenant, so that we serve in the new way, the new covenant, of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. So the old way was the law, the way of Moses, the old covenant, the Old Testament. Now it's the New Testament, it's the new covenant, it's the new way, the way of the Spirit. Is this central or fringe? This is core, central part of, the, of God's master plan. The helper, the Holy Spirit, receiving the heart of God. Who is this for? Let's go to Acts 2, 15 through 18. Acts 2, verse 15. So, so this is, of course, we read Acts chapter 1. Now we're in Acts chapter 2, uh, the Holy Spirit came down. They were having themselves some church. They're having so much church, they're all falling over. You know what I mean? They're stumbling around. And so people are saying, these dudes are drunk. Man, they're, I mean, you're having yourself some church when people are falling down. Amen? Yeah. (laughs) Some people are like, what? Like, no, you're having yourself some church. (laughs) Now, sometimes people are just falling down. But the Holy Spirit was there. And people were thinking, "These, these guys are just drunk. They're goofy. The world cannot accept and receive. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this is Old Testament prophecy coming to pass in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And then this is the Old Testament prophecy from Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is a Jew prophesying that the holy spirit will be poured out on the gentiles too that's unusual your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams this is why it's okay if you're if you're like over 60 to sleep in church cuz who's going <laughs> to who's going to dream the dreams right you know <laughs> all right i'll let that even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Both men and women. Think of how significant this prophecy is. Not just Jews, Jews and Gentiles, not just men, men and women. In those days, to, to make men and women equal, to make Jews and Gentiles equal was unheard of. But the prophecy was, this is for everyone. This is not for certain special people. But the Holy Spirit will be poured out on everybody. All who will receive. Not just for the pastor guy or, you know, these certain people. Everyone has access to this plan of God. No one is more special than anyone else with regards to the Holy Spirit. We are all on equal footing. This plan is for all of us, just like the blood of Christ is for all of us. The only question is whether or not you will receive the forgiveness offered. The Holy Spirit is offered for all of us. The Helper is for all of us. The only question is, will we receive? So, how does the Helper help us? It's going to be important to know that. And, besi- and we're just going to get a touch of this. We're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit later on. Um, we're just, obviously, we're just flying over the top of this and getting just a little touch. How does the Helper help us? Well, let's talk about the three ways that we follow Christ into a, a relationship with our Heavenly Father, into righteousness, and into purpose. How does the Holy Spirit help us into a relationship with God? Ephesians 2, 17-19 says this, He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Again, we're talking about Gentiles and Jews. The far away are the Gentiles, the near are the Jews. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So Gentiles like me now have access to the Father through the Holy Spirit, are no longer outsiders and excluded, but are brought in and members of God's household. Hallelujah. Children of God, co-heirs with Christ. Now, I'm going to watch football later today. I don't know how many other people are going to watch football later today, but usually at some point in the game, I pull out my phone and pretend to call the head coach of the team I'm rooting for. And give the head coach some advice. I do that on a regular basis. It's a good time. However, I don't have the coach's number. And even if I did, they wouldn't put me through. Right? Because I do not have access to the head coach of any of the teams that are playing. Or any of the teams that aren't playing. I have no access to any of those head coaches. However, what does it say here? For through Him, we both, Jews and Gentiles, church insiders and outsiders, people who who have no heritage with God, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. We have access to the Father. We can get time with God through the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. The Holy Spirit is our helper with following Christ into a relationship with the living God. How about righteousness? How about doing the right thing? Galatians 5.16 says this, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I could preach for a month on this verse. There is so much in here. That you may not see. It is incredible. So, live by the Spirit. If I have received the heart of God, and I am following the heart of God, what am I going to do? Steal from someone? No. Am I going to get all haughty and, you know, talk bad about people, cut them down and all that stuff? No. What am I going to do if I am following the heart of God? I have received, been covered in the heart of God, and I am agreeing with, cooperating with, and following the heart of God. I will do the right thing. In fact, I don't even need to read all the rules and try to memorize them because I will have all the rules in my heart already. That's the prophecy of Jeremiah that the law will be written on our hearts because we have the heart of God in our heart and we can follow that. The Holy Spirit helps us into righteousness. Some parts of righteousness, you just have to get it, right? You can't just try to follow all the rules. You end up doing something wrong. Follow the heart of God. Follow the Holy Spirit, the way of the Spirit, the new covenant. And we will not fall into sin. We will follow into righteousness. How about purpose? How does the Holy Spirit help us into purpose? Acts 1 8. This is before they were all acting drunk. Acts 1 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You will receive power. Each one of us has a calling. Each one of us has a purpose. Each one of us is asked by God to do things that we can't do. And that's scary if you don't have a helper. Right, but you need a helper who will give you power to succeed. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Whew. Let's do the First Corinthians twelve seven through eleven. First Corinthians twelve seven through eleven gives some. Specific individual situations. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So, what is the manifestation of the Spirit given for? The benefit of the group. The common good. If it's not helping the group, if it's hurting the group, the manifestation of the Spirit, then there's something wrong. Something's not functioning right. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. Have you ever needed somebody next to you that had enough faith for them and some to share with you too? Faith for the common good. Faith not just enough for me to get through, but enough faith so that the person next to me can be lifted up. Sometimes you just need somebody next to you who's going to say, no, no, it's going to be okay. God is on the throne, and it's going to work out. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it. they got enough faith for you. they got enough faith for them. They've got a gift of faith through the Holy Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Healing. I just want to do a survey, not to put everybody on the spot, but how many people have seen or experienced God's miraculous healing? Look at that. We're getting close to half. That's amazing. That's impressive. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And is still another, the interpretation of tongues. Last verse. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. So is this up to us? No, He gets to pick. Did I choose to be a preacher? No. My favorite job was driving a forklift in a wild rice processing plant. That was fun. I enjoyed that tremendously. I love preaching though. Getting better at it. But it's his choice. It's not my choice. He picks what our job is. That's how he determines it. So, what is this to you? This Holy Spirit business. Because I mean, we talk about the Holy Spirit and there's people, they like, they like Jesus a lot. And they know that they don't have to be quite as afraid of the Father because of Jesus, but they're still kind of nervous about God the Father. But the Holy Spirit, man, that's just craziness, weirdness. What is that? You know people like that? Maybe you are people like that? Jesus is great. I know the Father's mad at me, I'm not sure why, but Jesus is going to help me. But what about the Holy Spirit? What about the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you God is good all the time. The Trinity is good all the time. God the Father is good. All the time. He likes you. That's the word grace. It means that God likes you. He doesn't have to have a reason for it. He just has an overflow of liking people. God likes you. Jesus died for you. Jesus is good all the time. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us. The Holy Spirit is good all the time. It would be really easy to talk about this if there wasn't error. You know what I'm saying? If there wasn't goofiness going on in the body of Christ, it would be easy to talk about the Holy Spirit because who doesn't need a helper? Who doesn't need a touch from God to bring us into all of these wonderful things? But we may have seen some stuff that's not so great. Don't let that color you. Don't let that cause you to resist the Holy Spirit, because you need a helper just as much as I need a helper. And it's God's master plan that you have a helper to get you through each day, to get you into that right relationship with God, to get you walking on the straight and narrow, and to get you into the fullness of your purpose in Christ. You need a helper. Receive, grab hold of that helper. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. We are going to close. Our closing scripture is Luke eleven thirteen. How hard is it to receive the Holy Spirit? We'll talk about this in the series we do on the Holy Spirit. It's not hard, unless you're confused as to how it works. <laughs> but there's a lot of people confused as to how that works. Here's something Jesus said. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how many parents are, you know, like you're just not a perfect person, but you still love your kids and you still want what's best for them? How much better of a parent is the living God? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is a gift, a helper, a counselor, a comforter, that we can have. No one has any more privilege than anyone else. Just like with the blood of Christ, no one has more privilege to receive the blood of Christ than anyone else, even for everyone. Same with the Holy Spirit. We all have been given the opportunity to receive. And we can ask. So let's pray. Close the service, then I'll open up the prayer team. People can come receive individual, personal prayer. If you you aren't a believer and you want to be a believer, you want to receive forgiveness of sins, they'll pray with you, bring you into the family of God. Whatever other needs you may have, physical healing need, you may have a, a financial need, a relational need, a need to walk into your true purpose, whatever the case may be, they will pray with you and believe God with you for for that touch, for that need to be answered. So let's let's pray and and close the service. Heavenly Father, I give You praise and I thank You, Lord, that that You don't play favorites. That there there is no one that the blood of Christ doesn't apply to. But we have to receive that forgiveness, we have to ask. And Father, I thank You that You send a Helper to each one of us. Lord, and not just from a distance, but, but an immersion in the Helper. Lord, we ask You to help us. Send Your Spirit. Let Your heart be in our heart, That we may know Your ways. That we may follow You that we may walk in Your ways, and that we may serve in Your power and in Your strength. Bless us, encourage us, help us to stand strong for You. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen.